Good morning again. It's been a great service so far. Do you agree? God's been at work. Uh, this morning uh, we want to present what is basically a gospel account of the resurrection story from the testimony of Luke. And we're going to focus on Luke chapter 24. So Luke chapter 24. And this chapter is important for us. Uh, we don't just do what we do on Easter because we've always done it that way or because it's what we ought to do or because it feels like the right thing to do. That's not the reason why we celebrate Easter. We do what we do during Easter because something took place over 2,000 years ago. Something that would change the course of the entire world. Something that has completely changed people's lives, including many of the lives here today. Um, we celebrate Jesus and we celebrate his, re his resurrection. He has risen. Come on, guys. What's going on here? He has risen. That's a lot better. Uh, the reason why many of us, or well, I hope many of us, have such joy and excitement today, the reason why we have sung these songs with all that we are, the reason why Emily and Kirk chose to be baptised this morning, is firmly rooted in what we read in Luke chapter 24 and in verses 1 to 12. So if you have your Bibles, let's just take a moment to read these verses. Luke 24, the words are going to be up on the screen for you as well. I'm reading from the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. So Luke writes this account of the resurrection, starting in verse 1. So in verse 1 we read this. Luke says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying it is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them, were telling the apostles these things, but these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen cloths, so he went away amazed at what had happened. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word today. So the title for our message this morning is Living Like Jesus. Living Like Jesus. Over the last few weeks, We've taken time to go through different parts of Luke's gospel, uh, examining what it means to be a people who are listening to Jesus, rejoicing in Jesus, gazing at Jesus. And today, this Easter Sunday, we're thinking about living like Jesus. Now, if we take this broad, big picture understanding of our own lives and our place in the world, we will recognize that we all choose to live in a particular way. We all have different values. We all see different areas of life as more important than others. Sometimes in certain aspects of our life, we see certain things as most important. And more often than not, this is what we can live for. We have values, we see things as very important, and so we choose to live in a certain way. And I wonder this morning, what is it in your own life that you find yourself prioritising as most important? What do you find yourself prioritising as most important? What is it that you really live for? 
What do you treasure in your heart the most? What do you think about the most? Often, the things that we think about the most are the things that we find most important and of most value. Well, this morning, let me say that there is nothing that this world can offer that compares to a relationship with Jesus. There's nothing that this world can offer that compares to being in his presence day after day. When you come to know and experience a living relationship with God, there is absolutely nothing in this world that matches up with the truth and power of having God in your life. And I want you to understand that today. There's nothing more precious, nothing more valuable than having God and experiencing his love and grace in your life. And this is a testimony we heard a few moments ago. Both Emily and Kirk spoke of the fact that Jesus was most important to them in their life. And yet so often in our own lives, we choose to prioritize other things and make other things in our lives more important. But his promise, the promise of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, is one of unspeakable joy, incredible peace, undeniable hope, and unfailing love. This is what Christ promises for you and for me. And this promise is something that you don't just need to know about. It's something that you can experience day after day. It doesn't mean that you're never going to struggle or life isn't going to be difficult. It does mean that when things do get difficult for you, if you are perplexed by a situation, if you feel confused or overwhelmed by a moment in your life, the promise is you will have Jesus and the promise is you'll experience a peace that surpasses all understanding. And that's good news. To have Jesus is to know that he's always with you. And whatever you face, whatever circumstances you find yourself in, he is always faithful. You know, I've been a Christian now for a long time. 30 odd years, I think. Yeah. And I can say with, with absolute certainty, he, is, he has always, always, always been faithful. I know, I know I don't look old enough to be over 30, but I would suggest to you this morning, there's no better life, no more satisfying life than a life that is grounded and rooted in Christ because he's always faithful and he always promises to give you his love and grace no matter what it is you face in life. This is the truest definition of what it means to have life. Jesus himself says in John chapter 10 and verses 9 to 10, uh, and I just want you to take hold of these words, Jesus says, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. In abundance. Abundant life. He's not speaking about an abundance of earthly things or an abundance of good circumstances. It's not what Christ is talking about. He's speaking about being abundantly alive because you are in Christ and Christ is in you as well. It's this incredible mystery. We are in Christ and yet at the same time Christ is in us and our lives. Living like Jesus is to be one with Jesus and this is only ever possible because of what we read in Luke chapter 24 and verses 1 to 12. So when we understand this abundant life we understand it as it's connected to Luke 24 and verses 1 to 12. It's what happens in these verses that opens the door for us to receive the abundant life that God wants to give you and I in Christ. So let's examine this passage together as we come to terms with what it is that Luke is telling us 
about the power of the resurrection. So in verse 1, we read this in the first phrase of Luke's account in chapter 24. He says, on the first day of the week, on the first day of the week. And you could easily just read that and then move on to the next part. But I want us just to stop and pause on this phrase, the first day of the week. The first day of the week in the Jewish calendar was a Sunday. Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday. The reason why we worship on a Sunday is because Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday. John in the book of Revelation says in chapter 1 and verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, the Lord's day, and the Lord's day was the day he rose, a Sunday. So I don't want you to miss that this morning. Everything we do as a church revolves around Sunday, and it's because our lives revolve around the truth of the resurrection, of all that he has done for us. This is the day that we come together and we rest and we find grace and mercy in the midst of this incredible reality that he is alive, he is risen. Amen. So we read on in verses 1 to 3. In the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And please do not miss that this morning. The tomb was empty. The tomb was empty. Even non-Christian historians and commentators would recognize that something took place. That Jesus' body was no longer there. So the question I have for you, if you don't know Christ this morning, what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about that? If the tomb is empty, how are you going to respond to that reality? You either recognize that this was because Jesus rose from the dead, or you understand this historical moment in some other way. But either way, you can't ignore this historical fact that something happened between Friday and Sunday. Jesus died on the, on the Friday. The tomb was empty on the Sunday. These are the facts. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond to that if you don't know Christ? Maybe this seems a bit confusing to you. You're not alone. These women were confused as well. So have a look at verse 4. We read this. This is a testimony of the woman. And it's an honest testimony. While they were perplexed about this. In other words, they couldn't understand why this had happened. Why the tomb was empty and Jesus' body wasn't there. Their minds could not come to terms with the reason or the possible reasons why Jesus was no longer in the tomb. And we read on in verse 4. Suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. These were no ordinary men. These were angels. God had sent two messengers to reveal the truth of what had happened to Jesus. And let me just say, if you can believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, you can believe that God also sent two angels to confirm that he had risen from the dead. The women then moved from confusion to fear, and it could have been a holy fear, a godly fear, to remembrance of what Jesus had said to them before his death. So have a look at verses 5 to 7. We read this. The women were terrified and bowed, to the, bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men, the angels. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying it is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and rise in the third day. So the angels here are emphatic about their message. Jesus has, he has risen from the dead. There's no doubt about it. And Jesus rising from the dead was God's plan all along. 
This wasn't a surprise to Jesus. It wasn't a surprise to God. It was all part of his plan. And then the angels challenge the woman. He says, they say, you actually knew that Jesus rising from the dead was God's plan all along because Jesus himself told you that. He explained this so clearly to you. The women are taking all of us in. And in verse 8, we read this simple and yet, this simple and yet powerful statement from the women. Verse 8, we read this, and they remembered his words. I would encourage you today, beyond this service, just take time to remember the testimonies of Emily and Kirk. Remember maybe a line from a song that we sang today. Remember God's word. Take a moment to listen to what God is saying in the midst of your experience and your time in this service. This is what the, the, the women did. They remembered his words. This is more than them joining the dots. It appears to be the case from how it is that they respond that God had touched their heart. God was doing a work within their life. It was not just this intellectual ascent. There was recognition, both head and heart, that God was alive through his son Jesus. God is doing something in their hearts. So suddenly, it's clicking for these women. From Jesus' teaching to his life to his death and now to his resurrection, they understand not just what has happened, but they understand why it's happened. So you might understand what Easter is all about, but do you really understand why? Do you really understand why Jesus died in light of all that he has done for you and for me? So as a result of what God is doing in our lives, verses 9 to 10 is then their response. They can't help but share what God has done amongst those they are closest to. So we read this in verse 9. Returning from the tomb, <clears throat> they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. For these women, it was a case of come and see. You need, you need to come and see this. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. Come and see. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. I wonder if that's your testimony today. What is true then is true in Denison in 2022 in the month of April. If you love Jesus today and you share the love of God with someone who doesn't yet know Jesus or you display through your life something of Jesus' love towards you, what you're doing in that moment, if you're kind, you're generous, you speak a truth of what God has done in your life. What you're doing in that moment is pointing people to the fact that the tomb is empty. The reason I do this is not because of me. It's because of God at work in me. And God is at work in me because Jesus is alive. He has risen. That doesn't mean you're, you'll be guaranteed a positive response. If you're faithful to God, there's no guarantee that the person who's hearing what you have to say will respond in a positive way. What it does mean is that you've been faithful to what you know is true. And you know it's true because you have seen for yourself the tomb is empty. You know, you could summarize Emily and Kirk's testimony as this, the tomb is empty. Here I am. I'm responding by going into the waters of baptism. I'm recognizing all that Jesus has done for me. He really has made a massive difference to my life and I want to share it with you all. Have a look at what we read in verses 11 to 12 of our passage. But these words seemed like nonsense to them. So again, a negative response. And they did not believe the women. 
Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen cloths. So he went away amazed at what had happened. This is an incredible moment in Luke's gospel. Jesus had risen. Many had disregarded this as nonsense, as many disregard this as nonsense today. But Peter, Peter ran into the tomb. And Peter, Peter was the one that believed. And I wonder this morning, what is it that's stopping you from doing what Peter did? From running to that empty tomb, stooping in, recognizing the tomb is empty, and making that decision to believe. Let me say it another way. What is it that's preventing you from knowing the living Jesus today? What's stopping you from coming to that place of faith? What's acting as a barrier between you and Jesus? Jesus said these powerful words. It will be up on the screen for us. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Let me just ask you this morning. Is this what you want? Do you want this? Do you want abundant life? Is this what you need in your life? Do you recognize this as the most important reality of your life? Let me encourage you, you can have that today. Jesus is inviting you to stoop into this empty tomb. He wants you to see that he is not dead. He is alive. And you know, I could talk all of today about this reality and all that God has done for you and the difference he can make in your life. But in truth, it has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit working through me, but the Holy Spirit also working in you so that you see, you move from darkness to light. You move from blindness to sight. You move from a place of, of unbelief to a place of belief, to a place of faith and trust and joy in him. So if, if this is you this morning and you want to be made right with God, you know, I'll be here after our time together. There's many here who love Jesus. And if you know of anyone who does love the Lord and you want to speak to them, then do that. What we would do is have a simple conversation about what it means to follow Christ. And we would encourage you and we would pray with you in that moment that you would turn to him and recognize Jesus as Lord. Because the offer and the promise is one of abundant life. And there's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than that. Many of us recognize us. We've tried all of the different things of the world and yet we come back to Christ and we say, he's the only one that offers life. And it's not just any kind of life. It's abundant life. Jesus will transform you. Do you want this? Do you need this? For all of us this morning, this Resurrection Sunday, I just want to encourage as well those who do have faith in Christ. This is an opportunity for you to experience renewal, to renew, to renew your relationship with Him. Because it is so easy as believers, as followers of Christ, and maybe we've been a follower of Christ for a long time, it's so easy just to go through this regular annual pattern of Easter and then Christmas and then Easter and Christmas, and it can very much become this, this tradition. We don't actually have this heart experience of the living Saviour. I would encourage you, if that's you, if you love the Lord and you've loved the Lord, maybe for a short time or a long time, 
to, as we respond in worship in a moment, as we do that, just to, to say a simple prayer, God, renew my heart. Give me a fresh experience of your grace. I need you. I love you. Transform me. Remove all of the sin in my life so that I can pursue you wholeheartedly. I would invite you to do that if you are a follower of Jesus. He is a friend that you need. And let me just share these words from a, a famous hymn as we close and then I'll pray. Just take hold of these words and I would invite you just to reflect on these words as we now respond into worship. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? The answer is yes. Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. So are you ready to meet with him in prayer today as we respond in worship? The offer is there this Easter Sunday for abundant life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that, that you are here with us. And we thank you that the testimony of the resurrection is, is not just a testimony in Luke 24. It's a testimony in our own lives. And it can be a testimony in the lives of everyone who is here. And we pray that in the power of your Holy Spirit, you would convict us. <clears throat> you would renew us. You would transform us. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and to work in amongst us. We love you, Lord. We bless your name. Thank you for Easter. Thank you that the tomb is empty. Thank you that you are alive. And thank you that because you are alive, we can be alive also. In Jesus' name, amen.